This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Sunday, May 28th, 2023. I'm Jared Alpern. A growing number of Republicans want to be the next president, but can they overcome a dominant hold by former President Trump? There are a lot of people in the country who are looking for an alternative to both Biden and Trump. And like I said, are looking for that that new generation of leadership. I'm Ryan Schmelz. It's a Memorial Day salute unlike any other in the nation's capital. As D.C. prepares for the annual Memorial Day concert, hear from two acting legends leading the charge and how this year's show honors two major anniversaries. You know, this year we're going to be touching on things that deal with World War II, things that deal with the 70th anniversary of the Korean War, the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam, return of the Vietnam War POWs. This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. One shy of a batting order, eight Republicans now officially in the race to win the presidency. But by the end of the week, it's likely that roster could field a starting nine, maybe even room for a designated hitter and some bench spots. Even with former President Trump holding commanding leads and polls for the Republican nomination, the number of entrants into the race is growing. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made his long-expected candidacy official this week with a tech-plagued Twitter spaces launch. No excuses. I will get the job done. A day earlier, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott held a rally to get his campaign launched. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. Early next week, it's believed North Dakota's governor, Doug Burgum, will make what's expected to be a dark horse run for the White House. With each announcement comes a list of endorsements, politicians and activists trying to steer voters their way. For South Dakota Senator John Thune, the number two ranking Republican in the Senate, that choice was easy. He's somebody I've worked closely with for a long time um, and just I have a lot of respect for. Thune joined Senator Tim Scott at his campaign launch in North Charleston, South Carolina, and explains why he thinks his Senate colleague can overcome some long odds to win broad support. I spoke to Thune about his endorsement, the policy divisions within the Republican Party, and of course, the debt limit deadline. I'm confident that hopefully the sense of urgency will sink in. The administration has been really reluctant, really slow uh, to act, obviously, waiting 100 days to from the time that from the first meeting between the speaker and the president. The president decided to take a three month vacation on an issue like this, which has great consequence for the country. And so now they're at least uh, back at the table. And I know it's, uh, you know, grinding through some. Some arduous work in details. Obviously, it can take time to, to get things through the Senate. Do you expect sort of a, an expedited uh, process here? I think a lot of it depends on the product, but I would certainly hope that both the House and the Senate be, you know, with the sense of urgency associated with this, if in fact, as 
Secretary Yellen has pointed out that next week is the deadline. Now, there's <laughs> so she's been a little bit. He's always attaches caveats. Well, it could be June one, could be the work week of June one. Um, but I think we have to assume that we need to get this done, and I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't get it done. But it, you know, as you know, in the Senate, it can take some time. Any senator can hold things up, and you know that's their prerogative. But I would certainly hope that, in the interest of trying to uh, uh, avoid default, that we would be able to execute on getting it through the Senate on the president's desk. But you're right to say that because both the House and the Senate have procedures that they have to follow. And sometimes those can take some time because, you know, individual, like I said, in the Senate, individual senators have an enormous amount of influence and ability to slow things down. But um, I'm hopeful that uh, when, they, when they have a product that we can move it in a fairly expedited way. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the traveling you did earlier this week. Uh, you were in uh, North Charleston, South Carolina, for the uh, campaign launch of uh, your colleague, Senator Tim Scott. We should view that as an endorsement, right? Yes, that's right. Yep. So I guess my question is, um, one, do you expect any other Senate Republicans to jump in now that you've endorsed one of your Senate Republican <laughs> colleagues? And two, uh, why, why Senator Scott? Well, I mean, Senator Scott, obviously, is the only senator running uh, this time around. And, um, and he is so a friend. And he's somebody, I've worked, <laughs> he's somebody I've worked closely with for a long time. Um, and just I have a lot of respect for. Um, I think he's a, he brings a great um, story to this campaign. And granted, you know, bi- biographies don't win presidential elections. But I think he's the most consistently conservative candidate out there. And he's got a, you know, a way of articulating that that I think is very winsome. It's hopeful. It's positive. It's optimistic. And he's got a, a record of accomplishment to uh, to run on as United States senator. And I've worked with him on a lot of the issues that I, I'm sure he'll be talking about. But uh, I think it's a, you know, it's a wide open field, obviously. <laughs> Former presidents and a commanding lead at the moment. But I think that can change as uh, candidates get out there and start, you know, getting their messages out to voters. So you don't think that there is uh, sort of an insurmountable advantage that former President Trump has right now in the Republican field? I, I think that, you know, it looks like it at the moment, but that all changes. And, you know, uh, with him, things are baked in. People know him. He's got a very loyal base of, of support followers. But I think there are an awful lot of people out there. You know, if if, if it's a, if it's a him versus a Biden, that's a that's a no brainer. But I think there are a lot of um, Republican voters, at least, who are, you know, looking to, to turn the page, um, looking for that new generation of leadership, uh, looking for somebody that can articulate a positive, hopeful vision for the future of the country. And um, and I think Tim Scott does that uh, better than anybody in the race. So, you know, we'll see. I, these guys are going to get out. They, a lot of it will come down to are they, how are they as retail politicians in places like Iowa and New Hampshire, where you have to be really good uh, interacting with people in a very personal way. Um, and I have a high level of confidence that Tim can break out. I mean, I don't think you'll see a lot of endorsements of elected officials early. Most will probably wait and see how the, the race shapes up. And I don't at this point know who has the possibility of breaking out. But um, I do think that given, uh, you know, the, the resources to get his message out, uh, the opportunity for Tim Scott to get in front of people, that he's got as good a chance as anybody as anybody as uh, as being that alternative and i think there will be uh, an alternative it's a question of you know who's going to have that who's going to have that status come early next year are you worried that that trump could win the, the nomination well i mean i think he's um like you said he's got a, a very strong position starting out um 
staff resources, all the things that you need to run a campaign. But I also think, too, uh, that there are a lot of people in the country who are looking for an alternative to both Biden and Trump. And like I said, are looking for that that new generation of leadership. Um, you know, clearly, uh, in the end, uh, you know, when it becomes a binary choice between, you know, Republican and, and, and Biden, <laughs> where people are Republicans are going to be coming down. But um, in the process of selecting who that person is, I think there's a real openness out there. At least I certainly hear that in talking to people not only here in South Dakota, but other places that I travel. And um, I'm hopeful that somebody with uh, Tim Scott's background, experience, and message uh, can break through. So, you know, we'll see when it's all said and done. What issues do you want to see drive the Republican race? I think that, you know, a lot of people, most people in this country, First and foremost, you know, it's, uh, you know, am I safe? Is my family safe? Is my neighborhood safe? Is my country safe? And I think, though, you know, security messages are always going to be strong. And so talking about, um, you know, national security, uh, making sure that our country has the the readiness to uh, defeat America's adversaries and protect the American people. Um, I think the, uh, uh, you know, the issue of law enforcement and um, communities, et cetera, is a real opportunity for contrast. I think the border is a very hot issue, and that kind of ties into the the issue of security that I mentioned. And then I think always um, the economy. You know, what what's the future look like for our kids and our grandkids, and are they going to have the opportunities that that we've had along the way? And is this country going to continue to lead the world when it comes to uh, having the strongest economy, uh, the best you know wage growth? Um, those are all things that I think should be front and center in this campaign. And, you know, inevitably there will be the issues, a lot of cultural issues, and they'll play strongly in places like Iowa. And, you know, like I said, Tim Scott's really well positioned on all those issues, and I would argue is the most consistently conservative candidate out there at the moment. Is there a divide within maybe the Republican electorate over some of these issues on foreign policy, Ukraine aid, sort of the role that the United States should be playing um, in, in conflicts abroad? I think there's always uh, a bit of a divide. I mean, foreign policy differences go back a long time in our party. You know, we have um, big differences with people who take a very um, isolationist view when it comes to American foreign policy and how America projects power in the world, what its role should be. Um, And then there are others who see America as having a leading role. And the world is looking to America for leadership and us being able to provide that, not just in the form of uh, military uh, support, but also, you know, economic, political, um, you know, fighting for uh, political speech and rights in places around the world that don't have that. And, you know, so that's, you know, that's not, I wouldn't say, I think all Americans want to see America continue to be the, the shiny city on the hill. How you accomplish that and achieve that is, uh, is always a point of debate and campaigns, and I'm sure it will be this time, too. And that's not the only thing there are differences of opinion on. You know, you look at issues that um, are very personal to, to people. Um, there are also some very strong differences just within Republicans. And those are the kinds of things that get litigated uh, during the nomination process and will over the course of the next several months. But I think one of the challenges candidates have is you can be right on the you know the issues. And most Republicans, at least in some fashion, are going to subscribe to a a view of limited but effective government, you know, personal freedom coupled with individual responsibility, peace through strength, um, you know, pro-life with a pro-life party, that uh, all life is valuable. I think those are all issues that 
generally speaking, um, you know, unite not all but most Republicans. But, you know, the how you articulate that, uh, the way you deliver that message um, and how it resonates with people is really kind of think would differentiate some of these these various candidates and their campaigns. Why do you think senators maybe make better presidents than, than say, governors or, or people with, with other kind of executive level experience? You know, I think there are we've had experience with both through the years. And in my time in politics, you know, we've seen people from, um, you know, both governors and, and uh, senators who have uh, uh, elevated to that position. I do think that it's sort of more natural when you're in the United States Senate. There is an expectation because constitutionally the, the Senate has uh, treaty responsibilities, et cetera. You pay a lot of attention to foreign policy, international relations, national security issues. You have, you know, generally speaking, at least a, a knowledge base to start with there. And uh, and I think and also an understanding of how to get things done. And that's not an easy feat, as, it, as you can watch on a daily basis in Washington. But being able to um, execute and understanding how to move something across the finish line in the House and the Senate uh, is a skill set, I think, that somebody who comes from the Senate comes with. Now, on the other hand, from if you're an outsider, if you're a governor, uh, people look at Washington and they can be very frustrated by it. And you can make an argument that, you know, I'm not influenced by Washington. I'm coming in with a whole new way of doing things. And, and that, too, can be a compelling argument. But I think that, you know, in the case of Tim Scott, I think he's got the best of both worlds. He is somebody who I don't think most people see as uh, a part of the Washington problem. He's a solutions guy, um, but he does know how to, uh, uh, you know, execute and get things across the finish line. So, uh, you know, as people look at these candidates, it's a you're going to look at the whole package, and they're all going to get a chance over the course of the next few months to make their arguments to the American people, starting in the early states. and uh, And I think that Tim Scott has a real opportunity to break out. But you know, there are no guarantees in this. A lot of it comes down to can you raise the money to get your message out, and um, you know, sometimes uh, events uh, shape some of these campaigns as well. So we'll see in the next few months, but. Uh, I'm hoping that come early next year, uh, Tim Scott's in that conversation and and uh, an option for the American people because I think he presents a real, uh, a really um, a chance to to uh, look to a whole new generation of leadership, and I hope the American people will engage with it. Let me kind of finish with this on on kind of the broader uh, look at, at the field. Obviously, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, making his run official. Uh, this week, I assume you know quite a few of these Republicans vying for the presidency, you know, serving in Congress. Uh, time may have overlapped with Asa Hutchinson. What do you think of the quality of the field right now for for the Republicans? I think we've got a great, um, you know, a great group of candidates, really, and um, which is why I think it's so important that they get a, they get looked at and that you know people have an opportunity to see them and. Um, and compare them to the alternative. You know, clearly, as I said, you could end up with a rerun of, of the 2020 election. And I, I'm just, you know, I think there are a lot of people out there who are ready for an inspirational, aspirational candidate uh, and are, are really ready to move in a new direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that will happen. Um, but I think as the, you know, as the campaigns uh, play out over the course of the next several months, people are going to have the chance to see these candidates up close and personal. Um, I do know a number of them, and I'm fans of all of them. I think there's some some terrific people out there. I don't know them as well as I know Tim Scott, and I've seen him in action every day. I work side by side with him 
on a lot of important issues, including the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. We were both intimately involved in, in uh, you know, drafting and putting that proposal together. And I think that's, you know, arguably the most um, economically consequential piece of legislation that Congress has dealt with in, in, in a couple of decades anyway. So um, I've seen him in action. I, I know his character. Um, and and I like the way he presents himself and his message. I think it is, again, it's a it's an inspirational approach. It's positive. It's optimistic. Whether or not there's a lane for that out there, I don't know. We'll see because, you know, the electorate's been in the last uh, couple of cycles. It's, uh, you know, people are um, in a different kind of mood. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping they're ready to be inspired again because I think Tim Scott can do it. Senator Thune, appreciate you uh, talking with us during a busy week. We'll see you next week in Washington, sir. Sounds good. We'll see you there, Jared. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. For 34 years, thousands have descended on the nation's capital for the PBS National Memorial Day concert, seen as an epic way to salute celebrate, and honor those who lost their lives while serving in the military. The event took a different turn in the early 2000s after the September 11th terrorist attacks forced the United States into war. Actor Joe Montaigne made his debut at the show in 2002 as a performer, and he'd soon take over hosting duties in 2005. The Tony Award-winning legendary actor is mainly known for his work in theater, but also movies like The Three Amigos and The Godfather Part Three. Montaigne has for years co-hosted the event with fellow Chicago native and acting legend in his own right, Gary Sinise. Joe Montaigne and I are the co-hosts of the show. Uh, it's something I... I wouldn't miss. It's just a great way to kind of recognize as a nation that there has been a cost of freedom, and we want to honor and salute and celebrate those those sacrifices that have been made all these all these years. The Emmy Award winner is known for TV roles like CSI New York and movies like Of Mice and Men, playing astronaut Ken Mattingly in Apollo 13, and Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Gary Sinise joined Fox News Radio's Jessica Rosenthal on the Fox News Rundown earlier this week discussing the event. It is a way for the nation to kind of recognize the sacrifices that have been made in service to our country over the years to keep us free. Sinise's role as Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump has put the spotlight on issues Vietnam veterans faced after returning from the war. And this year, the concert will focus on the 50th anniversary of the return of Vietnam prisoners of war. Both Sinise and Montaigne have been recognized for their work with veterans organizations, and once again they're bringing an army of stars with them. Co-host Joe Montaigne shares details about the Memorial Day special and an epic salute to service, which will include commemorating the 70th anniversary of the Korean War armistice. Yeah, I mean, the years just fly by, you know, but it's been great. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to believe that I've been doing it that long because I can remember distinctly that very first year. But 
it's, it's been great. And as I've often said, it's, it's really the most important thing I do every year. And, and what I, I really look forward to and I'm happy to be doing it again. And how has it been changing over the years? And is the mission, you know, more important now than ever before? I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's always as important as it, as it has been. And I mean, I think I realized that the first time I did it. Because now you got to understand, I did it in 2002. It was right after, just months after 9-11. And so it had a specific kind of impact then. But the, our country's been through a whole lot, lot of things with 9-11 in, in aspects. And I think the one constant is that our U.S. military is still out there, you know, every day on watch doing what they do to allow us to live the lives we live in this country. So, I mean, some, some years are going to be a little more, um, perhaps meaningful in the sense of the kinds of conflicts that we have to face and the kinds of problems we have to face than others. But at the end of the day, going back to, you know, 1776, it hasn't really changed all that much. It's still, we have to count on certain individuals, you know, who put themselves out there and sometimes make the ultimate sacrifice to allow us to have the country that we have. And, you know, we're, we're kind of, a, you know, three years removed from COVID now. And obviously the, we had to go through that. And, and that was a major issue for a lot of veterans out there too, especially ones who needed uh, serious care. You know, how did it impact veterans and is it still a problem? Yeah, well, of course it has. It's, it's affected the populace in general. So, I mean, that, again, that's just a, that's, that's a constant thing. And sometimes what happens, too, is, you know, when, when we're not in direct, like, active conflict with something, you know, obviously that, that tends to unite the nation and everybody's on their minds and it, it gets a lot of attention. But then when there's a, a lull in the action somewhat, we're not affecting us maybe directly, we tend to sometimes get a little lax and forget and think, well, okay, you know, nothing's happening right here or right now. And, and you know, it doesn't seem to be any, you know, Eminent danger, you know, on our shores and something like that. And that's the time when we have to actually pay even closer attention because, you know, the military never, never can be lax, never can be, uh, you know, take, take, take a, you know, take it easy. And so they, so a lot of the problems that are caused, a lot of the medical issues that happen, a lot of the, and, and, and even deaths, you know, even, you know, many, you know, we forget we hear on the news that somebody dies in a training accident, that, you know, a couple of helicopters go down at night due to a training accident. That's still, you know, a death of somebody who's been out there. You know, that's a, it's not happening in combat, but it, that, that is no less important and no less meaningful. And so that's why Memorial Day is such an important holiday because we have to take that moment to, to give due respect to those of us those of them out there who made this ultimate sacrifice for the rest of us. What will be different this year compared to concerts in the past? What's unique about this one? I, you know, I don't know if there's going to be anything unique about it, and in a way, I'm glad that there isn't, because to me, it, it, it's such. To me, it's from every time I do it, I'm always amazed by just how. You know, we always say at the end, it's like, "Wow, this is the best one ever." You know, we get, because it's such a, a combination of talent in terms of musical talent. Um, in terms of, you know, actors portraying certain kind of, you know, stories, telling, telling of the stories. There's, there's some moments that, that are, you know, when they play the service songs for all of the different branches of the service, that's a concert that's there every year and it's one of my favorite moments of the show. But, but there's a, there's a, there's a continuity to it that's there every year and yet every year has its own kind of, you know, unique stories and, and musical acts and guests. 
and so it has a life of its own. Um, but, you know, that's why, like I said, I've been over 20 years of it now. And it, it, there's no one particular one that I can say, wow, that one worked and this one not quite so much. I mean, every single one of them has done what it's supposed to do, which is allow the public to see, watch this for 90 minutes and you'll understand what Memorial Day is all about. And you mentioned telling stories of, of veterans and a lot of the, what they face. You know, when you you have a unique position with your role in Criminal Minds and some other television shows and, and, and other you know acting roles that you've had, uh, how have you utilized that to tell stories and bring those issues to the forefront? Well, I mean, I've been an actor, you know, professionally over fifty years now. So I mean, I, I guess if I don't if I don't got it down now, I'm never going to get it. So <laughs> all I can do is just bring whatever talents that I, I have, along with all the other people. I mean, I co-host the show. Gary Sinise is one of our prominent, you know, most prominent actors in this country. And and uh, and then we have all these wonderful acting talent that joins us every year. And so it, it, that's the job we do. So in other words, our job is to just translate these stories and kind of put it out there and, and, and you know, tell the story of Memorial Day as best we can in our 90-minute programs, what Memorial Day is all about. We'll do it with many different kinds of stories. And, you know, this year we're going to be touching on things that deal with World War II, things that deal with the 70th anniversary of the Korean War, the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam, return of the Vietnam War POWs, uh, tribute to the Gold Star families. And each one of them will be a specific kind of a story and, and, and a dramatic reading and things like that, that, that tell that story. And it's always entertaining. It's always moving. It's always enlightening. Uh, it's just, like I say, if somebody's never seen it, just carve out 90 minutes and watch it and, and you'll understand why this thing has been on as long as it's been on and why, why uh, so many people do watch it every year. Now, I believe you came from a military family. You know, how did you get your passion for this issue specifically? Well, I did come from a military family, a lot of military in my family, but I, I was fortunate that just about everybody who was involved, especially in combat, all, all came back. I had a lot of lot of combat family from World War II. They all came back, so Memorial Day really didn't have as much impact for me personally as it did for a lot of other families. But it wasn't until I did that first concert in 2002 with, with my dear friend Charles Durning, who the actor was a Silver Star recipient in his own right, asked me to, to be involved with it with him. When I did that concert, that's when it really hit me of like, oh my God, this is, this is just, it, it changed Memorial Day as just being like, Okay, this is that holiday we celebrate for those who have had people in the military and perhaps lost some, and so this has special meaning for them. But for me, it became more like, no, this is much more than that. This this shows me why Memorial Day is the most important holiday we celebrate in this country, because without it, without celebrating Memorial Day, there's no reason to celebrate any other holiday because there would be no any other holiday. Because but for the sacrifices people have made throughout the history of this country there would be no United States of America. And so that's why this, this, this particular holiday deserves the time and respect from everybody, regardless of whether or not they had, you know, personal involvement with the family members, uh, you know, with the military. And when people watch this concert, what do you hope they take away from it? All I ever hope they take away from it is at the end of it is to be able to say, as I do, wow, that was 90 minutes well spent. I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I, I tuned in on that. I'm glad this is, this is a part of my life and I look forward to doing it again next year. That's all I hope happens. And I think for the most part, we succeed in doing that. I mean, there's a reason it's just about the most popular show that's done every year on PBS. 
And and like I say, I'm, it, it has such tremendous impact on me. That's why I'm back every year. And I, I would like to think it, it has that kind of impact on, 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 you know, for the most part, the people who, uh, who watch it over the years. Tony Award-winning actor and co-host of the PBS National Memorial Day concert, Joe Montaigne. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. That'll do it for this edition of the Fox News Rundown from Washington. Coming up this week, we'll keep an eye on Congress and the 2024 presidential field continues to grow. Who's next to get in the race? And can anyone catch up to the former president? For now, I'm Ryan Schmelz. Thank you for listening to the Fox News Rundown from Washington. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.